Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Speak today to Matt Gill, CEO of White Rock and Minerals. They're an SX listed gold silver developer. Been bouncing along for the last 10 years, under 10 million market cap. No one's really cared. Um, developing quite a small gold silver project called Mount Carrington. Uh, they've got a PFS. Um, not sure if they're going to develop them themselves or look for a strategic partner because they've recently announced, announced some numbers around their Red Mountain project in Alaska, high-grade zinc plus silver. Um, they've also taken on board Quinton Henning as a technical advisor and promoter to the North American market, raised a bit of money, and now they're going to see what they can do with that project. market is a little bit more interested. Let's see if you are. Enjoy the podcast. Matt, how are you doing, sir? Good, Matt. How are you? Not too bad. The Matt shows. Here we go. <laughs> um, so we're going to hear about White Rock Minerals today. Um, so thanks for coming on. New story to us and the listeners and viewers of this show. Um, so how, first of all, how are you doing? Are you, are you at home? Are you hiding? Because you're in Melbourne, aren't you? Yeah, this is my humble uh, study uh, here in Ballarat. So the centre of uh, gold mining, certainly in Victoria, so in Victoria, Australia. Uh, fortunately, not in Melbourne, which is going through a pretty terrible second phase of the COVID and a lockdown. Um, so, yeah, feel for my fellow Melbournians. I grew up in Melbourne. Now my family's in Melbourne. So, yeah, it's uh, look, it's a really tough time for everyone. Well, salutary lesson us in, you know, you had COVID, you, every, everyone then was allowed back out into restaurants and so forth, and now you're getting a second wave. So, yeah. It's it's tough. It's tough, but um, yeah, tough. let's talk about mining instead. Yeah, yeah good. Yeah, <laughs> you up for that? Good. Yeah. Um, and gold. Yeah. And gold and gold, of course, very topical. Yeah. Uh, so why don't we uh, kick off? Give people that one minute overview of the business, then we can pick it up from there. Yeah, thanks, Matt. So um, White Rock Minerals ASX listed, um, been listed for ten years. Uh, we have two projects. We, we have an advanced gold and silver project in northern New South Wales in Australia. And we also have a high grade zinc, silver, gold project in central Alaska. Uh, that, that's the focus for the business as we try and grow it from a junior explorer to a developer to a producer ultimately. Okay, so lots of good stuff are happening. Um, but let's go back to the beginning. You've been at this 10 years. What did you set out to do 10 years uh, ago? And how has this thing evolved? And I, I understand it's evolved a lot in the last few weeks, but let's just go through that journey if you don't mind. Yeah, no, look, that's a good question. So White Rock listed with the Mount Carrington Gold and Silver Project here in New South Wales. So that was its uh, asset on listing in 2010. Uh, I joined about five years ago. I'm a, I'm a mining engineer. Uh, and I joined with the board's uh, desire to take that project through development, construction, commissioning and production. Um, since then, with the Mount Carrington project, we've taken it through to scoping study and feasibility study, uh, and its next step is approvals. During that journey in the last few years, um, it became obvious or evident to a lot of us that a single project story when you're a small junior didn't quite have the interest news flow sizzle in a retail market when you're a small junior. And in the course of looking to raise money, um, this Alaskan asset um, came across our desk. Uh, 
I always remember taking that call. We were trying to raise money for Mount Carrington. And the, and the, and the, 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 it's actually a, a group that also operates in London said, you know, no, nah, probably not, but would you be interested in an Alaskan asset? And I always remember a thing I've learned over my career, don't say no to something you don't know what you're saying no to. Um, so we weren't looking for a second asset. We were focused on Carrington. This Alaskan asset came across the table. Roll the clock forward. It has been the game changer for the business in the last few months. Well, that it has. That it has. So why don't we start with uh, Matt Carrington first, though, because it seems to be not as exciting. It isn't exciting the market as much as what you're doing in Alaska. So it still has value. But let's try and understand that to break that down. So you... 10 years, over 10 years, you've taken it through the feasibility study, waiting for approvals, get it. That, that's a not an unusually long period of time, but it, it, it's taken a while. Is that because the ASIC was quite high in a low gold environment, couldn't get the people, ex- couldn't get the market excited, couldn't really get funders excited? I mean, what, what was the problem? What was holding you back? Yeah, the challenge is that Mount Carrington, um, we've got the full 180 square kilometer tenement package, so expiration upside. But the geology is such that it's, and our mine planning suggests it's going to do around 35,000 ounces per annum. Now, that's not a big number, not a particularly exciting number. It's not big enough for the funds to, to be interested in. And, and it hasn't necessarily got the sizzle at the retail high net worth in. So um, it's all in sustaining costs in current Aussie gold price environment. It's 100% margin. I mean, it makes a lot of money. Um, but the size didn't resonate to either the retail or the insto. Um, and I go for quality over quantity any day. Um, you know, something that's making 100% margin. So that was one of its headwinds. Um, and the other headwind was it's got 12 to 18 months of approvals ahead of it, which is, you know, a pretty boring story on its own. Yeah. I mean, every project goes through it. Every project's got to go through it. But when you're trying to raise money for approvals, well, excuse me, you know, it's exactly that. Um, so that's why when the Alaskan asset came across our desk, the Alaskan asset had all of the low-hanging news flow, sizzle, upside, scale, all before it. And we thought that we would we could progress both concurrently. The Alaskan asset for the sizzle and the excitement now, Carrington, because ultimately it's, it stops us having to tap the equity market. It generates $10, 20000000 million free cash a year once in production. So we thought that the two, and you touched on it, while they are different and jurisdictions and commodities, actually can work together as well. Okay, but, it, but it's, it's a bit more than a hedge for you. Um, you know, gold's obviously very topical at the moment. The you know gold bull environment like we've got now. This, as you say, you know, hundred hundred percent in Aussie dollar terms. Um, but at thirty five thousand ounces, you're right. It's it's not that interesting to a lot of people. But is this something that you think that you are going to try and get into production yourselves because of the you know, reasonable amount of cash flow it's going to generate? And then it's a question of you know what do you do with that cash? Or is it more gold m a in Australia? I imagine that's quite expensive. Or are you putting that towards the project in Alaska? Yeah, so that's a really good. So we, it's great to have two levers to, to, to use. Um, 
Uh, I need to point out that Mount Carrington has Jork resources um, for both gold and silver. Now, the silver is in separate deposits to the gold. So we are one of the few genuine exposures to silver on the ASX, and that's an important point. In fact, in terms of in-ground value, there's as much silver in the ground as there is gold. Um, having said that, though, the, the size and that approvals headwind, you know, we, we, we're redoing the feasibility study with, with the better gold price and a review of the OPEX and CAPEX. That will make the size of the prize, the financial metrics, even better. It still doesn't address the ounces per annum, but it shows that it will generate a lot more. It still doesn't address the 12 to 18 months of approvals. And so if we could find, and we'll come back to the Alaskan asset, but if we could find a joint venture partner, you know, that, that can take the long view, you know, can see through the 18 months, can see the size of the prize, um, then that's absolutely something we would we would look at. And like anyone should say, you know, if someone wanted to buy it, you know, at the right price, if it made sense for White Rock and its shareholders and added value, then of course, you know, it, people would be wrong to say it's not for sale because anything is for sale at the right price, probably even your house, um, even if you're not looking to sell it. So, you know, and we'll touch on the board, I'm sure, at some stage. So we're quite open to what's in the best interest of our shareholders in moving that project forward, whatever that looks like, to get some of that locked up value reflected um, for our shareholders. I mean, the other component to this is you're starting to become quite a complicated story to understand, not just because of the different jurisdictions, but because of the, the different commodities that you're after. Obviously, gold, silver, you know, precious in, in Australia, and you're after zinc, which is not exactly a loved commodity at the moment, um, and different sets of skill sets required. So with a lot of moving parts, it's difficult to actually operate and, and manage that, but it's even harder for some investors to understand. So isn't that, you've got, don't you have to be on the front foot there and take control of that? So I, I would probably disagree a little bit, Matt. Um, you know, if you're gonna grow a business, it is hard to do it with one asset. Um, you know, we're, we're in Australia and the US, so they both speak English, just. Um, first world jurisdiction. Um, Alaska is so far around the time zone that there's, there's um, a great overlap actually with the East Coast of Australia. In terms of commodities, we've got gold in both. We've got silver in both. Um, and we just happen to have zinc as well in the Alaskan. So um, my argument would be commodity diversification, gold, silver and zinc. Um, jurisdictional diversification, you know, I'm glad I'm, and I've worked in Africa and Myanmar and India. I'm glad that it's in first world jurisdictions. Um, and if you're trying to grow a business and add value, doing it out of one asset can be difficult. So yes, what is White Rock? Okay, well, White Rock is a diversified precious metals and zinc uh, explorer and developer. And we've got a skill set at the board and um, my exploration manager, and we'll come to Dr. Quinton Hennig on our board from the exploration point of view. So we're actually, I've learned that we won't resonate with every investor. We can't be all things to everyone because to your point, some have said, Matt, if I want to be gold, I'll go there. And if I want silver, I'll go there. And if I want zinc, I'll go there. But those that can see that 
commodity diversification, that risk portfolio diversification, um, that we do have high-grade zinc jork resource, but we're chasing gold. We're backed by you know those assets when we're looking at this current project that we're going to be drilling in a in a week or two. Okay, again, just some rank Carrington. So, can you give us some of the other numbers that you know? I know you, you, your own words. It's a fairly boring period, waiting for approvals. Not too much to say, yeah. but just remind us some of the numbers there. We, we, we've talked about the ASIC uh, in, in Aussie terms. So, what what are the what's the scale of this life of mine, etc.? Yeah, so the feasibility was done at one thousand seven hundred Australian dollars per ounce. It's currently over 2,500. So at 1,700, it's bat out um, about $10 million Aussie per annum free cash. Uh, it it has an initial, so just two of the four gold resources give it an initial four and a half year mine life. There's still another two gold resources and there's the four silver resources not in that plan. Um, it has a payback of uh, under two years um and a rate of return of about 35%. So good solid numbers at 1700. We have publicly released a sensitivity at 2500 and 2300 so 2300 Aussie so still under spot it's it's got a payback of a year it's got a rate of return nudging 80% it generates 20 to 30 million in free cash. So that all that gold price improvement goes straight to the revenue. So, you know, and and I, I need to say it's at past mining. So you walk onto ore that the gold pits are pre-stripped. Um, there's 100,000 metres of drilling behind it. There's a tailing dam there. The plant site is cleared. It's on mining lease. Um, so there aren't many projects that advanced, um, but it's got that approval step that just is holding it back. Um, we crack that and we're away. Are you frustrated by the valuation? Because um, it's 28 million market cap for the entire company, and that's with the good news, the recent news, and the fundraising, which we're going to talk yeah. about. You've got a feasibility study. You're, you're telling me the numbers are excellent, and you're going to be aware of the races, the, the type of cash returns, the payback in less than a year, and people just not valuing it. Why? So. It's, it's a frustration um, and I often wonder, is it because we're not clear in our story? Is it confusing? Uh, are we, am I talking to the wrong people? Have I, should I have talked to you earlier? Is the investor relations channels that we're using wrong? Is it macro issues or is it white rock micro issues? Um, uh, I have to believe, and I do believe, I mean, I'm a mining engineer and I'm a little bit more measured. You know, some people do fall in love with projects and, you know, get glassy eyed and think it's the best thing. I will never, I won't be the last one that sits in front of you, Matt. And, and, you know, I'm not the last one that'll say we're undervalued. Yep. Uh, most, most projects, you know, value compared to the company value, there is a disconnect. That's a frustration, but that's the challenge. The, the challenge for me is to try and bridge that gap. Not a hundred percent, you know, but even halfway between, asset value and company value. So that's the frustration, but that's the opportunity. And and that's what I tell investors, that at some stage, I have to believe that the market will wake up to what we've got. And the opportunity between the underlying asset value, its potential, and where our market cap is. And that's, that's what drives a lot of what I do in my role, you know, daily is to um, advance the assets, but make sure that the story 
is getting out there and that we will find the right people and some will resonate. You know, we've got two and a half thousand shareholders. So we have a, a chunk of people that do, you know, do align with what we're saying. But sure, we're not going to attract everyone. Okay, well, let's talk about your second project in Alaska. So how long have you had that? So we acquired it in 2016. Um, we did, and when we acquired it, it was 15 square kilometres uh, with a 127 drill hole database. In 2017, we gave that drill hole database to independent geology experts and generated a maiden chalk resource um, of 9 million tonnes of just under 13% zinc equivalent. So it's a zinc silver, uh, VMS, polymetallic. Uh, in 2018, we raised money and conducted our first drill program ourselves. Uh, in 2019, we had attracted a billion dollar company in Sandfire uh, to a joint venture. So we did a second season where we were the manager last year, uh, another $8 million program and did more drilling. Uh, earlier this year, Sandfire withdrew from that JV. In the process of our work on the ground last year, um, chasing the zinc silver high-grade VMS, we discovered this significant gold anomaly. So earlier this year, we set out to raise some money, only $2 million to get on the ground and test this significant gold anomaly. Um, roll the clock forward, um, we've been able to tuck away $15 million um, to explore this gold anomaly. Amazing. Yeah, and our market cap has gone from $8 million a few months ago to currently uh, be just under $40 million. Right, well, that's you know, $40 million. That's extraordinary in such a short space of time. Um, let me just come back to this. So you've been sitting on this project for four years. Um, again, weren't getting much love and attention in the marketplace up until you started to raise some money earlier this year. I mean, what, what do you think the sort of turning point was? No, well, we did get attention and focus, and we got success from raising money um, for our Alaskan asset in 2018. Um, you know, that brought some, some major shareholders in on the back of the Alaskan asset. And last year, it attracted a cornerstone investment in Sandfire, um, Sandfire's ASX listed. So it was getting interest. Um, the, the turning point was uh, the coincidence of this significant gold anomaly over 15 square kilometres in a highly prospective belt. It's called the Tintinna Gold Belt in Alaska. It, it hosts the 10 million ounce Pogo gold mine. It hosts the 10 million ounce Fort Knox gold mine that most people have heard of. It hosts the 45 million ounce Donlan project owned by Barrick. So, you know, Alaska, underexplored, you know, huge gold deposits. We've got the right signatures in the right rock type, coincident with this very hot gold market. And a lot of it is about timing. So it's the confluence of all of those things um, on top of having Dr. Quinton Hennig uh, on board, supportive. Uh, he's our technical advisor and introduced us to a lot of uh, the investment community in North America, such that half of the placement that we've done, that money is out of North America. Yeah, he's a fantastic promoter for sure. I mean, how do you afford someone like that? We we um, we don't pay. Uh, he's on a he's on a retainer um, as a technical advisor. Um, he's doing it because he believes in the project, 
He participated in the placement. Um, he's a great exploration geologist as well as a promoter. To be fair, he's very, very good technically. So he's a great sounding board for us and Rowan, my exploration manager. Um, and he's part of the team and it's great. Oh, that's great. Okay. So, but you know what I mean? When, when I said earlier, no one had noticed you and you, you defended that as you should, but in your own words, you were worth 8 million bucks up until a couple of months ago. So when I ask, you know, what's changed? So, so Quentin Hannon coming on board and helping you technically and with the promotion in North America, the gold bull environment uh, helps because you've got this gold anomaly uh, that you want to uh, investigate um, because like I say you know silver's not a kind of buzzword in the market so not silver sorry you know because zinc isn't a buzzword in the market at the moment it's you know it's sort of on yep. down, downward pressure all around so um, okay I understand so so what now you've got all of this money you've got 15 million bucks that's exciting times so how do you spend it so mid-june we got on the ground with six geologists um, crawling all over this gold anomaly. Um, we've taken thousands of rock chip and soil samples. They'll keep going for, for another couple of weeks. Um, we're mobilising a drill rig as we speak and we hope to be drilling by the first week of August. So that'll go through as long as the weather in Alaska will allow us, which um, while we're central Alaska, you know, winter, as much as I love geologists, um, it's a bit hard to, you know, have them working in sub-freezing uh, temperatures for too long so the drilling will go as long as it can probably mid-september um, but what this money allows us to do is to be funded uh, for next year as well um, so irrespective of success technical or otherwise um, we'll be funded to to have a full season next year as well so you know for the, your listener for the investor to have a junior that's you know got the carrington story a high-grade zinc story but a gold anomaly and we're fully funded um, for this year and next year. Um, you know, there aren't, aren't many juniors that can probably sit here and say that. No, it's, I mean, it's fantastic. It's but it's more money than you've you've had in a long time. So I'm just wondering, the, you know, the order of play for you. You know, how did you decide to map that out? Have you decided what you're doing over the next eighteen months? Uh, so we've got a pretty good idea already what we would do. It is uh, this is our third season, and there's and and the process of geochem and geophysics as precursors to drilling a fundamental exploration methodology. Um, but at the end of the day, the only real test is the drill bit. So it has to include drilling. So, and that's what we've done the last few years. And that's pretty standard template of geochem, geophysics and drilling. And on that basis, we know that we can work from roughly May to September. We now know how much drilling costs. We've, we've you know, we're, we've had two full seasons and are doing our third. We've got a fantastic team on site in Alaska. We use two great geologists out of Fairbanks, so and our project's only 100 kilometres from Fairbanks. Um, and the geos that we've used, we've last used for the last two years. So we've got a pretty good feel, even though people say Alaska's you know on the other side of the world. Um, you know, we don't pretend to run it daily from from Ballarat here in in Victoria. You know, we've got great experienced geologists in country. Um, and so we know that while we don't know exactly where the holes will go next year, we know how much we can drill, we know how long, we know how much, how long it will take, how much it will cost, um, and we make that allowance and then we let the geochem and the geophysics and the mapping and recon tell us where the drilling will be. Fantastic. It's been sort of 10 long, hard years for you, 
now the money's in, do you get to reward yourself at last? I've got a pino breathing, but it'll be business tomorrow. <laughs> no, and that's and but to your point, um, I I've worked in junior companies. I worked with one that went through administration. Your insolvency, you know, Chapter Seven bankruptcy. If it's a US, I'm not sure what it is in the UK. So I know I know what it's like when things go bad. Um, and and to your point, absolutely attuned not to let it go to our head. Um, you know, I've, I, capital raising is, and you would know from your experiences, um, capital raising is hard. You know, it's it's a lot of roadshows, conversations, discussions. You've got to get people comfortable with you and the trust and then the delivering. Markets are hard. You know, White Rock is one of hundreds of juniors, you know, trying to chase the funding. So I know how hard it is to get it. I, I have a, a respect and I'm a shareholder, a feel for you know, shareholders wanting success. So, you know, the last thing we will do is turn around and be frivolous with, with what we've raised. We know we've got to deliver. We, The good thing with Alaska, because it's such a tight period, it teaches you to almost be military um, with your planning, you know. So you, we don't have a day to waste on the ground uh, and a day wasted is money wasted. So the good thing with Alaska is you, you, you use the downtime to plan and interpret your data so the the first day you hit the ground it's then every day you maximize and, and that's how we're going about it okay so given what you've learned over the last 10 years you know you've worked in the junior exploration space you've been involved with something which has gone into bankruptcy previously it, it's tough right mining especially down the junior side is very very tough but if you don't build the right type of company you know the market's not interested so you know my Carrington suffered perhaps because we perceived as too small um, and therefore is not attractive to you know a lot of people so what are you going to try and build at Red Mountain what type of or what scale of business are you trying to build yeah that's a that's a really good question so when it's expiration um, you know we don't know how big it will be on the zinc VMS side um, we've already got two high-grade deposits with 30 similar targets and these VMS, these vulcanogenic massive sulfide deposits come in clusters. We know that if we can double that tonnage, we have an economic mine. So we know that as a target. This gold anomaly, we don't know. We, we, this gold anomaly has never had any work on it. Um, you know, it will take us at least this year and next year to get a feel for what we've got. Um, ultimately, and we're positioning ourselves to keep the options open, We've just done that. We'll be doing a consolidation of our of our capital structure because we've got a lot of bits of paper on issue. Um, so that post consolidation at the end of July, we'll be back to something you know like 70 million shares rather than seven billion, um, and we'll be more like whatever the share price is, you know, 50 cents a dollar rather than a penny dreadful, and that is deliberately in part so we do look more more North American. Um, North Americans do not understand how Aussies can have so many bits of paper, even though the maths are right. Okay. Um, we're also talking to the OTC about getting a secondary listing on the OTC. I've talked to the Canadian Securities Exchange. I've talked to people in Canaccord about the TSXV. You know, should White Rock, dual list, merge, spin out? Um, we're keeping all of our options open. So we don't have a particular end game we need to grow and see what 
the drill bit tells us in Alaska, see how the market's responding to what we're doing. And if that means that we need a secondary listing or an ultimate split out, um, because, you know, Alaska's, maybe Alaska's natural home is in North American exchange, we're open to that. But at this stage, we just want a year and maybe two under our belt. So we know what we're dealing with. A bit too early to start divesting something that could be an absolute game changer. That's going to ask, actually, consolidation is not something that the Aussie market, certainly retail market, tends to care about and, you know, companies sitting with billions of shares out and I wondered why. So that's answered it. I also like the fact that you're talking about walking before you run uh, with regards to making that decision because it's early days. Let's remind people you were eight million bucks company two months ago. Um, okay, that, that's interesting. Um, so with regards to the you, this increased land or footprint that you've you've acquired because that comes back to that question of scale what is it you're trying to build here you wouldn't have done that unless you thought you needed to go and find some other larger vms type deposits that's right so we started when we acquired in 2016 it came with 15 square kilometers um, we've expanded that as we've explored uh, it was all vacant um, and we haven't touched on native title, but the Alaskan process is crystal clear um, and and nothing like what the Canadians or Australians have to struggle with. Um, and so given the VMSs come in camps in clusters, so we took a strategic first mover district scale position. And so we're currently sitting on just under 800 square kilometres of central Alaska deliberately. Um, so that we cover the prospective VMS horizons, but also this Cretaceous granite intrusive related gold system potential. Um, the reason for that is that pegging in Alaska is very simple. It's almost literally dropping pegs in the ground. And as long as you pay your annual claim, you've got it forever. Um, unlike in Australia, where after five years, you've got to relinquish half. And then after another two years, relinquish half of that as long as you're meeting your payments and your obligations um, so that, you know, we ran the risk of if we were too slow and maybe I watch a bit too much Discovery Channel, um, uh, you know, the, it's very, would have, could have been very competitive, people watching what we were doing and, and started to claim where we would have ultimately liked to. So we deliberately took this position to give us that district scale and opportunity and upside. Okay, that's interesting. Now, with that comes liability because you're going to have to spend some money to work out what you've got there. Uh, how do you quickly or how do you accelerate um, the, the the ability to go and find targets which you think you should be spending money on? Because I'm, I'm getting the sense that this is very different from um, Mount Carrington in the sense that it, it, it has the potential to be a much larger project, but you've got to plan that out differently. You've got to spend money differently. So what's the, what's the yeah, plan? So that's a really, really good question. So the, the great advantage that we had is when we acquired it, it had two known deposits, had two known high-grade zinc VMS deposits. And there was public domain Alaskan Resources Department, geochem and geophysics. And we simply... Um, got that data and gave it to experts and we said, here's two known deposits. Here's the geochem and the geophysics of the region. These two deposits have a particular geochemistry and geophysics signature. 
fingerprint behavior, take that response. So we match the existing data with these two deposits and we said, have a look in this field and see where else you get this same coincident geochem and geophysics response anomaly. 30 targets later, which is why we went from 15 square kilometers to 400. Uh, and then last year for the first time we flew, we flew modern airborne EM. So we flew 500 square kilometers of ground and you get a map that shows then where you want to zero in on. So there's a whole bunch of that ground that doesn't have the geophysics response, um, but there, but it lights up where there is. And so that then zeroes us in to get the boots on the ground in just those areas. And we do the on-ground geochem and geophysics. And then if that works, the drill follows. Okay, interesting. Last question, because I know it's, we've been talking a while now. Um, on Mount Carrington, if you're batting man, do you get rid of this before, um, you know, bef before you kind of get these approvals or after? So my opinion is that the best value add for White Rock and its shareholders is to get it approved um, because that removes that perception and then, and then you're in the very traditional construction and commissioning. It's a 12 to 18 month build and construct and then you're tapping this 10 to $30 million of free cash a year. Get it to approvals and White Rock can still then decide whether to get rid of it or not. But I think the best value add, because at the minute it's it's holding back um, more than the value of, of taking it forward. So if we could find a joint venture partner, you know, we've got people in our data room, we've made no secret of that, that is in the public domain. You know, um, a strategic partner to work with us would be fantastic. You know, but the current market, the current um, uh, encouragement we're getting from our shareholders, the current gold price, you know, it might be that we, we could afford to do it now ourselves. We're keeping all options open. Okay. Matt, thanks very much. Nice run through. Um, exciting times in Alaska. Yeah, look, it's a shame the COVID thing, you know, it's holding us back from getting on the ground personally. Um, you know, I've been there before, obviously, but as I said, you know, Zoom, um, emails, and uh, and the great team we've got on the ground in Alaska. Uh, yeah, look, it's a really, really exciting time for us. Beautiful. Okay, Matt, we'll speak to you soon. Pick up the phone if there's anything uh, new that you want to talk about. We'd be delighted to take that call. No, it's been great chatting, great questions. Thanks a lot, Matt. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast? or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.